Did your favorite NFL team win the Super Bowl? No? Then the NFL Draft is your Super Bowl. I'm Danny Heifetz, and from now until the draft, we are turning our fantasy football show feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we talk about the top players and most important storylines for the NFL Draft. So join us on the Ringer NFL Draft Show. It's the Ringer Gambling Show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here and you can bet on all of the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page in the post and bet live same-game parlays for every. NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen at the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and up in President Select States. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive that sets the pace and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that throws you one moment and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. All right, like Frank Lampard at Chelsea, we are back. This is the Ringer Gambling Soccer Show. I'm Steve Trudy, as always, joined by the great Paul Carr through media. Paul, lots to get to this week. I mean, just managers galore, just getting getting the chop in the Premier League. I think that makes it 12 on the season now that Leicester and Chelsea. Chelsea have fired two managers during the season, so we'll get to a bunch of that coming up. Um, but first, Paul, what's up? First, by the way, last week we said we didn't even like the card. We went 4-2 and two. Uh, collectively, both two and one each. So I guess, I don't know, maybe if we don't like the cards, a good sign of things to come, but a solid week for us last week. I'm going to continue hating the card. And I narrowly missed my third. Uh, not Forrest probably could have should have won that game against Wolves plus 190. But Same thing for me. Goal. Same thing. If, if it wasn't for a 94th minute uh, Crystal Palace goal to take it oh, over two and a half, I'm, I'm three and oh as well. So listen, I guess, I guess the, the less good we feel about our bets, the better, which is usually how it goes. But uh <laughs> <laughs> Lots to get to this week. As I mentioned, manager carousel. We'll talk about kind of the Chelsea situation. They get rid of Potter. There's a bunch of different rumors out there. They're bringing back Frank Lampard. The Leicester job is also now open. They are they're in the fuck around and find out mode right now because they are really, really in trouble. And yeah. the rumors about Jesse Marsh coming there, we'll talk about whether or not that'd be a good fit. I mean, he seems to be in the rumors for all of these all of these potential jobs. Who knows if, if it's actually real or how interested he is. He said he was taking a hiatus. So we'll get to that. Um, some interesting top four odds stuff, Paul. I know there's a team that you like that that's kind of on the radar, that, not on everybody else's radar, so we'll get to that. Um, I want to talk about some of the summer jobs that could potentially be open. We know Chelsea's open. We know Spurs are open. There could be a couple other big jobs open as well. I want to know where kind of Chelsea ranks in that hierarchy of the best jobs available potentially this summer. Um, Messi's future, we got a bunch going on there with him and his contract expiring in June. And as always, we'll close it out with our best bets. But um, Paul, why don't we start here? Let's take it from here. What was your take? I mean, we this happened at what end of last week, I think. So it's after we record our last pod where Chelsea finally, after, you know, a tumultuous, I guess, I don't know, almost full season, uh, they fire their second manager in Graham Potter, a guy who was really highly thought of. Um, and then making the jump from Brighton to Chelsea, it just never seemed like he could ever figure it out. There's a lot of reasons for that. What do you think of the move and what do you think of where Chelsea are at right now, Paul? 
I mean, we talked about before, I think, how neither one of us thought it was really necessary to get rid of him. And I think we also mentioned the one exception is if there's somebody that you need to go get right now. And suddenly Nagelsmann is available. Maybe he is that guy. I think it'd be a pretty decent fit. Uh, so, and you have to fire the current manager before you can hire someone. Even if he's not going to take over till the summer, you have to kind of clear the decks mm-hmm. to make that work. So I feel like if that's the case, and they're you know sort of getting ahead of it and trying to you know beat Real Madrid or PSG to the punch, then I think it's fine. And I think they found a really good guy to come in and take over for a couple <laughs> months too. Former legend Frank Lambert, former Everton, uh, you know, mediocre right. manager Frank Lambert, but he did <laughs> he did keep them up last year. Listen, you could clown Frank Lampard. I don't think either of us think he's a a great manager, no. but I will say in that first season that he took over at Chelsea, they were they they had a transfer ban, right? And he ends up getting them top four. He was playing, mm-hmm. you know, it was Mason Mount's first full season. I think Reese James was still pretty young. Tammy Abraham was in the mix. Like it wasn't the Chelsea, you know, who's who of stars that we're used to, especially now with all these signings that they've had. So he actually, I think, did a good job that first year with low expectations. Mm-hmm. Uh, he goes into Everton last year. It's a complete disaster after Rafa Benitez. They're basically going down if they, you know, if, if, if the course of the ship keeps going that direction. And I don't think he did an incredible job, but he kept them up. So congrats to yep. him. But I'm kind of with you here. I, I think, you know, I think it, it felt like I, they probably needed to get rid of Potter because he. I, I, I would assume they really wanted it to work out and really tried. But behind the scenes, they must just know that it wasn't going to work out and that he was maybe yeah. a little bit too over his skis. You know, it is a big jump up going. Now, this is a guy who's had success almost everywhere he's been. And this is like the first real high profile job he's had. And some people like maybe he's just a little bit too young for it. Maybe he'll get another shot. We could talk about potential landing spots for him, too. But I think in the meantime, what do Chelsea have to play for? Not a ton. They kind of just have to figure out, like, get somebody in that the fans could get behind. You're still in the Champions League. Maybe you make a run. Paul, the most interesting thing to me, though, would be what if Lampard does well? Like, what, what, what if, like, could you, what, 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 what if, if he have, wins Champions League? What if he just makes the final? I mean, who knows? Like, yeah. uh, you're going to have a lot of Chelsea fans, I think, being like, hey, let's bring captain, you know, p- part two, bring Captain Frank back, which would be, I think, a terrible long-term decision, but you never know. That, to me, is the most interesting storyline here. What if he actually does all right? It's absolutely what I'm rooting for to happen. I don't mm-hmm. think it will happen because they're playing Real Madrid in the quarters. They've got City or Bayern waiting in the semis. But, yeah, I would love for them to at least advance one more run in the Champions League and, you know, move up whatever, four spots in the table or something like that. But I don't think it's going to happen. But I do think Lampard's a good fit. They, you know, for a role like this, you want someone who has some experience. He's familiar with the club. So, it, you know, because it's not going to take two months just to onboard him. You know, he can more or less just plug right in. Uh, I don't think he has any delusions of taking over. You know, they're calling him, it sounds like a caretaker or inner manager. So I think everyone's pretty clear on that. Uh, he tended to play kids. Chelsea's got a lot of young players they brought in that, you know, you want to see on the field and at least get some experience. So, you know, maybe he can d- figure out where Mason Mount's been hiding all season. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's a good fit. As long as, you know, everyone's on the same page and by all the language that we've seen in the reporting, it seems like they are. I think he's, I think he's a good fit for this specific spot. And I want him to succeed just for the chaos of it all. Uh, that's exactly. We just root for chaos no matter what it is. It's just, you know, it's improbable, but you know, you never know. Chelsea have done weirder things with with interim managers before. So yeah, you know, yep. we'll see how it goes. Um, what do you think of Potter? Like, obviously, you know, pretty, pretty big failure at this high level. Now, nobody wants to hear this, but you know, when you spend six hundred whatever million dollars, whatever is is that they spend on all these players in the in the January window. You know, they, they still have a pretty incomplete squad and they also mm-hmm. have this massively bloated squad. So again, nobody wants to hear this, but I actually do think that that's a really difficult thing for a manager to have to navigate of, all right, I've got 43 players on my senior squad. How do you right. even how do you even set up 
training sessions with that many guys. You know, and yeah. and, and they don't they don't have arguably the most the, the most important position of all. They don't have a striker. Um, he's tinkering all season. It didn't seem like the players gave up on him, uh, but it does seem like the like it, it basically seems like ownership and you know the entire essentially you know front office of the team were just like he doesn't. I don't. I, I just think they lost confidence in him. And you're right. You can see Nagelsmann. You know, maybe you have to make that move, but. I have a little bit of sympathy for Potter. Where do you think he, mm-hmm. like, what do you think kind of job he lands next? Because he's been rumored to take the Leicester job. Obviously, the Spurs job is out there. Do you think he'd be a good fit at either of those? Like, where do you think he lands? I feel like a, a mid-table type of team, you know, someone that kind of wants to be what Brighton has been the last two, three years. So is that Leicester, Crystal Palace maybe? Because I'm assuming Hodgson yep. is not the long-term answer there. Uh, those are the two that jump to mind first because everyone else has kind of hired a manager and seems to be in a decent spot. You know, if... I don't know if someone gets promoted and wants a new manager. I wouldn't expect a change, but there's a possibility there with somebody. But yeah, Palace and Leicester were the two that jumped to me as possibilities in the Premier League. Not Spurs, though. You think like you think Spurs should be interested in him? That'd be an interesting case. Uh, I mean, I feel like Spurs is sort of turning into not on the verge of falling out of the top six, but I can see that happening in the next two three years. Uh, he would he could be a guy if he's dealing with that kind of. Uh, budget that Levy tends to institute on Tottenham, that maybe you need someone who can get more out of less like he did at Brighton. So I guess maybe that would be a good fit. It doesn't feel like something Tottenham would do uh, as far as like hiring a cast off and, you know, to say it kind of bluntly, a failure or mm-hmm. considered a failure at a you know similar level of club. But, you know, if they get turned down by enough, you know, the top two, three, four candidates, it might be someone they turn to. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. I think I said this on a previous pod, like the Antonio Conte at at at, uh, at Tottenham and Graham Potter at Chelsea. It they should have they almost needed to have each other's job. Like yeah, Potter is the, he's the builder. He kind of works with less, I think, and you know, and Spurs I think fancy themselves like a shrewd buying club where they're they still try to develop talent. They're not always buying guys at the highest highest level. Where Chelsea are buying the top top players in the world, and that's what Antonio Conte wants. So it, it I I do think he would it would make sense there. But yeah, I wonder if his like image is just kind of tarnished too much at this point. He kind of has to take a lower level so. job. I, as an Everton fan, I, w- I wanted him from Brighton. Now, granted, you could argue that that would have been a, a lateral move at best for him. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I think they're happy with Sean Dyke. We'll see how it goes with the relegation situation. But yeah, I think Crystal Palace would be a really interesting fit because I still have faith in him. Like, I don't think he's some terrible manager overnight. Right. Clearly, he was good at every other place he's been, including at Brighton. Um, taking them to levels they've never been before. And I think he still right. deserves some credit for where for how good Brighton are right now, even though Deserby's done a good job too. So if I'm a mid-table team, I'm I'm not yeah. I mean, I'm I'm calling him today and, and offering him wherever he wants. I mean, maybe he turns into a you know David Moyes type, you know, really good at Everton, did not work out at United, obviously, is doing okay at West Ham. You know, maybe that's he just kind of needs to find his level in that sort of sense. So I, I think he'll get another job because failing at Chelsea in a short period of time is something a lot of people have done. So I don't think those clubs kind of in that second tier are really going to hold it against them. Yeah, let's move on to the other team that's actor manager. Brendan Rodgers gone after like, people sort of felt like at Leicester that it had been stale for maybe a year plus now. The end of last year was bad. Some people were even surprised that he wasn't let go in the offseason. They just, they just kind of seem like they need a refresh. But Paul, I mean, they're they're firmly in the relegation spaces right now. Uh, they, I believe, what, let me look at the table right now. I mean, they're 19th place. Now, granted, they're only you know, basically a win from getting out of that based on how tight everything is down there. Um, I, I I think you can make an argument like I think Potter and Chelsea is an interesting fit. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I think Potter and Leicester are an interesting fit, but I I'd almost I think do you wait until you see what happens with Leicester? They're just kind of like in this free fall mode right now. But I think you could argue that out of all the teams in the relegation battle, 
which is like basically eight teams now, they're probably the one that shouldn't be there the most, right? Based on talent, at least. Maybe, yeah. I mean, I feel like West Ham's numbers are a lot better than they should be, or their numbers are a lot better than their position in the table uh, would be one of them. Um, but yeah, I, if I'm Potter, I'd, I'm not taking that Leicester dot this season. I mean, you have no reason. You're getting paid. There's no rush to go find something else. $13 Maybe, million to go away. Right, yep. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly how the contract works if you take another job, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, no rush into it this season. Wait till the off season. You can probably find something that's a little bit better than Leicester because you know, they've been trending downward for a, a couple of years. And I'd be, I wouldn't want to jump right into that. So it doesn't seem super appealing right now. If they you know, turn things around, get a commitment to refreshing the talent, whatever, then maybe, but not yet. That's, it looks like a sinking ship and they may survive, but they're not in a good spot right now. All right. What about our fellow countryman, Jesse Marsh, who's been rumored for this Leicester hey. job? I actually think, you know, I, I, I think both of us, when the Southampton job came up and he was rumored, you know, to be, a, you know, at least a contender for that, we were like, eh, I don't know, Southampton, like they're, they, they seem like they're clearly going down no matter what the manager, no matter what manager comes in. With Leicester, I actually don't think that's the case. And I think, you know, I'm not sure, like Potter, we discussed, can probably get another mid-table job. Yeah. For a guy like Marsh, now I know he's, he's basically said, you know, he's, he's excited to take some time off and kind of like re- regroup, but I, I do actually think this wouldn't be a terrible situation for him to jump back into. One, because I think you can get them, if you come in there, I think you can get them out and get the ship righted, get them out of the relegation soon, like relatively quickly with a couple of wins, because again, they do have some really talented guys. I mean, Madison, uh, Barnes, uh, Pereira, like, you know, the, the defense is pretty terrible. Goalkeeper's not great. But I like I think this team is better than the Leeds team that he was managing. So I do kind of think there's maybe some upside there for Jesse Marsh if he's up for the job. I'd love to, Jesse Marsh to turn into an uh, American version of whatever relegation specialist he wants. He's uh, the Sam American Allardyce, of, yeah, yeah, Tony Allardyce, Poulos, exactly. whatever it is. <laughs> yep. uh, be, but yeah, I mean, and the schedule's fairly favorable for Leicester. I mean, they do have to play City and Liverpool still. But you've got Bournemouth at home. You've got Wolves at home. You've got Everton at home. Uh, you've got West Ham at home to end the season when West Ham probably won't be playing for anything. So you've got a, a pretty decent schedule despite a couple of tough matches. You've got the important ones at home. So yeah, I mean, if I'm him, I'm kind of interested in that. You know, I don't think... If, if you don't save a sinking ship, how, on, how much of that reflects on you? Mm-hmm. I think that's that's the question. I don't think it would be all that much. Like, it doesn't seem like he's got a bad reputation... Uh, just stemming from the Leeds situation. And I think he'd have to, you got to listen. I mean, you listen to Southampton, you got to listen to Leicester because, I mean, they're not in a great spot, but they're still, well, like the fifth favorite to be relegated. So I know they're in the zone now, but they got a, what, a game or two in hand. So they're, they're not in a bad spot. If I'm, if I'm Marsh, I'm, I'd be pretty interested in this one. I'm glad you brought that up. They're actually the fourth favorite to get relegated. There is a yeah. very clear bottom three, Southampton minus 450, um, Nottingham Forest is minus 160. Same thing with Bournemouth, minus 160. Leicester coming in at the fourth best odds at plus 175. Everton plus 220. Wolves plus 340. West Ham plus 550. Then you get the Leeds plus 600 and Palace plus 900. Um, you know, I, one, I, I I don't think Leicester are going to go down uh, just because I just I just don't think, you know, again, talent-wise, I just look at that roster and go, how the heck is this team that bad enough to be in the bottom three? What do you think about those three, though, being pretty clear favorites as the ones to go down? Because that isn't obviously the bottom three right now. Uh, I mean, Southampton and Forest seem like a pretty clear cut, too. And Everton and and Bournemouth, I think, are kind of a toss-up. I think Everton is a little better than Bournemouth, but Bournemouth You like that 220 price? Is that worth hopping on? At 220 was... I lost track of them already. 220 was Everton. Yeah, 220 is Everton. It's not bad. I mean, I think Bournemouth is still more likely to go down, but that's not a bad price on on uh, Everton as well. 
yeah, if you're if you're saying it's a coin flip, which I think it probably is, you know, yeah. you're getting basically better than double odds. I, I don't I don't hate that at all. So, yeah, pretty interesting there. I you know again, I think you know Leicester are I think one of the they were one of the more well run clubs in the league, but so were Southampton. And it's, it's it's kind of funny how how quickly the kind of the tide turns on that. Like you have a couple yeah. of bad transfer windows and things don't go the way you want to, and all of a sudden you can find yourself you know fighting for your place in the league. Yeah. Um, all right, I want to do this really quickly then. So speaking of the job stuff that we were talking about, obviously Chelsea's open, Spurs open. We also have like a couple of potential large jobs that elsewhere in Europe that could potentially be open this summer. Real Madrid, obviously Carlo Ancelotti is the manager there, but there's been a lot of rumors about him potentially taking the Brazil job um, or just moving on in general. Although they got a huge win in the Copa del Rey today against Barcelona. I think it was like, what, 4-0 or something. 4-0, yeah. um, And then the other big kind of job that's potentially out there is the PSG job with Christophe Galtier, who... Man, they're free falling kind of fast. Things like it's going really south. That job looks like it's going to be open this summer as well. So if I gave you those four jobs, Chelsea, Spurs, Real Madrid, PSG, I think we could all say Spurs is probably the worst job out of the, out of those. I don't think that's I don't think we're going out of turn unless you disagree. Where does Chelsea rank? If you're saying all these jobs are open, all things are equal, like you can have any of these jobs this summer, like you're, you know, yeah. hypothetically Nagelsman, right? Yeah. How would you rank those three jobs? So I I look at this kind of from a I don't know, almost a front office standpoint, if I'm the manager, I kind of think Real Madrid is the most stable of those. And I say that even though I don't think any managers lasted more than three full seasons, like since Mourinho 10 years ago. I just look at the way they, you know, they've done a pretty good job developing and acquiring talent, young talent over the past few years with Vinicius and Valverde and Chouameni and Rodrigo and all these guys. Then they got rid of Casemiro when he was 31 years old and still worth a lot of money. Um, there's a little less competition than England in particular. You know, you're one of the two, maybe three title contenders, depending on the season. There's the Real Madrid mentality we always talk about, that they keep making these Champions League runs, even though they don't seem to be as good as a lot of the teams that they beat. Uh, so I kind of think Real Madrid, as long as you know, going in, this is probably a two, three-year job. And that's just the, how, how the life cycle of a manager works there. I think that's the most appealing one to me. I think you're right. Because not only, I mean, they have money. Like they're not in financial turmoil the way that a Barcelona is. Like they have right. money. They've spent reasonably well. Like I don't think they're in incredible financial shape, as pretty much no team other than teams in England are. But I think you know, all things considered, they're they're doing just fine. And I, so I would I would put Real Madrid. I think they're pretty clearly the best job available here. Now, whether or not a guy like Nagelsmann wants that job is one thing or another. The interesting debate be- between Chelsea and PSG, though, is it comes down to like I I think I would. I think the Chelsea job is better than the, Ch- the PSG job. And, I, and again, everything behind the scenes is a mess. And, you know, at PSG, obviously, you have like an unlimited war chest as well, just like you do at Chelsea. But I just don't know, like, the only thing that you have to, to win at PSG is, is the Champions League. Like, if you don't win the Champions League, it's a disappointment right. every single year. And, like, you could argue that you know, you, we've seen sort of the drop-off from PSG every single year. You know, if they don't, if whenever they get knocked out of the Champions League, like, their season's typically over and they just start playing yep. poorly. You know, yes, they may go on to win the league, Although now they're kind of dragging teams back into it, but I just don't. I don't. I wonder how appealing that is for a manager to be in a league that if you don't win the league, it's a complete disaster. You're you know head and shoulders financially better than everybody else, and yep. you have this you know the Champions League, which is a little bit of a crapshoot, but something that you've struggled because you can look at it two ways. One of which, like, hey, I feel like I can come in and if I win at PSG as that ever first manager, then you know I'm going to be looked at as this hero for the rest of my days, right? And you, you finally got this team over the hump. But I kind of think there's just always too much pressure on them because it's the only thing that they have to play for every year. So while there's a lot of turmoil at Chelsea, Chelsea, the highest of the high, like Chelsea still can get those peaks even when there is like a lot of shit going on in the background. And that's what's happening yeah. right now. So, you know, I think both of them are a little bit unstable. Like you could be out of a job within a year to six months to a year if things go poorly. Right. 
but I still think I would lean as the Chelsea job being better than the PSG job. I would too. And there's a little bit of an asterisk for me, just that like it's got to be the right manager. You know, if you are a, I don't know, a Zidane type who generally deals with stars and is kind of more of that kind of manager, Chelsea's probably not as appealing, but just because they, again, they have all these relatively young players that they brought in in the last year or so, last six months or so, and sign them to long-term deals. So you've got to have some sort of ability to develop or at least work with relatively young players. And assuming you do, I think I would go with Chelsea because I'm not sure there's a plan, but they're at least spending the money and they're trying something. Uh, I kind of think I'd put Tottenham ahead of PSG only because like Messi's probably going to leave. Neymar, just injuries, whatever. Mbappe, is he going to stick around or is he going to go after Real Madrid finally? I feel like there's a lot of questions and I'm not sure we've really seen PSG build a good team, even with these star players. You know, questions in the most of the, the back and just trying to get a whole 11 together. Uh, so I guess I don't have a ton of faith in Tottenham, you know, after this kind of golden generation of sorts of Kane and company uh, are they're all kind of on the wane. But I don't, I kind of have less faith in PSG, even though, you know, it is a little easier, easier to win to a certain point. Uh, and like you said, I don't like that your success definition essentially comes down to a knockout stage or two or three. Mm-hmm. But, man, I, it is the Spurs job is interesting because you're right. Like they kind of have nowhere to go but up from here, right? Even though they still right. are in a top four chase, which yeah. we'll talk about in just a second. But um, you know, I, I just don't. They're not on the same financial level. I feel like as the no. rest of those teams that not they quite. that they that they feel like they're at the same level as. And you know, I, I I view it like you know, you're right. It depends on like the caliber of manager and what your profile is. If you're like a Jose Mourinho, I think the PSG job is enticing to you because yes. you can be the guy to do that. The PSG job or the the. The Spurs job, even though he had the job in the past, probably isn't super enticing to Jose Mourinho because they're in a full rebuild mode right now. So, right, you know, I guess you know, for, for if you're talking about like a Nagelsmann or somebody like that, maybe the Spurs. I mean, I don't think he's going to get the Spurs job, but maybe the Spurs job is a little bit more enticing because you could say I could build this thing in my image, right? I could do what I want um, because you know we're basically going to have to strip this thing down to the suds, especially if you if yeah. you sell Harry Kane. Whereas the question at PSG, is just like the question is just like, will Levy give you the reins? Yeah, which is probably why and. In other ways, that's which is that, probably that's why he's not question. taking that yes. job, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think that's a, that's definitely an interesting debate. What do you think? Do, so, do you think, like, where do you think Chelsea? The, this is kind of like a little bit of a tangent, but where do you think Chelsea ranks as a job among the big six in England? Uh, probably fourth behind City, behind City, behind United, uh, maybe maybe fifth. I think United's really? kind of the question question mark. Uh, I mean, behind City, behind Liverpool, probably Perhaps, behind yeah. Arsenal. It, Oh, I don't know. See, I don't. I mean, Arsenal's tricky because there's so been so little turnover for the last thirty years that uh, you know we don't have a great sense of just kind of how that those inner workings work in the way we get a, a better shot at some other spots. Um, yeah, I mean, some. I don't know fair. that it's a better job than Liverpool. I don't because yeah. I I I just think the the one thing at least you could see with the Chelsea management is that. Like they're willing to spend and they're invested in financially yeah. back in the club. I don't know that Fenway Sports Group and those guys are really as invested. I mean, we'll see this summer if they go after a guy like Drew Bellingham, although they're probably not going to be in the Champions League. So that's a that's a whole different thing and yep. you might not want to join because of that. But there have been some like I mean, Klopp has kind of come out and been like, Yeah, we, we could probably use a midfielder. Like we need we need multiple players and they mm-hmm. haven't been as willing to spend after they won that title. And it's the same thing that's kinda of happened with the Red Sox. Yeah. Like that Fenway true. Sports Group is sort of I don't know, like they they win, like they they bring titles and championships. So like you obviously have to give them credit for, it, but then they sort of like wane off a little bit. It's a very strange dynamic. So 
I don't I don't know that I don't I think the Chelsea job might be better than the Liverpool job, depending yeah. on how invested the owners are. Whenever you have a long-term manager and in the Premier League, Jurgen Klopp and whatever it is, seven years counts as a long-term manager, it always skews kind of what you think. You know, you, ten years ago we'd say United was a great job, but Ferguson left and we saw it just kind of fall apart. Yeah. Uh, you know, same thing. We haven't seen that yet with Arsenal, but we just don't know necessarily. Uh so yeah, it, it definitely skews things because you think of Liverpool as a good job, but being a good job for Klopp is a little bit different than is it a good job for anybody else? I don't know. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at UGG.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. I think I'd, I think I'd have Chelsea to answer the question. I'd have them behind City just because of you know the stability and the financial backing. I mm-hmm. think I'd still have them behind United, um, even though you know I I think talent wise maybe it's a coin flip. I don't know that it's that big of a difference. But United just they're probably the biggest club in the world. So you, all right, you, you, I'll give them the tiebreaker there. Arsenal, man, if you asked me this question last year, would you be saying Arsenal's yeah, a better job yeah, than Chelsea? No. Not. So, like, are we sitting here and saying it's recency bias? Like, how much of that probably is, you know, the manager that they currently have versus, like, somebody else that would come in and take over? I think they're probably between, like, they're better than Spurs. I think they're better than Liverpool. And maybe they are maybe they come in at four. That's probably yeah. where I would say it's the fourth best job. So, anyway. All right. Interesting discussion. Let's actually get into that top four race then, Paul, because you have an interesting kind of, like, sleeper that you'd like to get to. I'll give the odds really quickly. Um for top four. Actually, let me let me go through the table really quickly. Newcastle and United both getting wins. We're recording this on a Wednesday, both getting wins today. They are tied in the table. Newcastle in third with 53 points. Manchester United with 53 points, both 28 games played. Then there's Tottenham with 29 games played with 50 points, so three points behind them. Brighton's uh, 27 games played, but they are seven points behind uh, Manchester United and Newcastle in the table. And then you've got Villa kind of creeping up there, 44 points. Liverpool, yeah, 43 that. points. That's probably where, I'd pro- where I would end it. Um, Tell me, you you think one of these is actually a pretty good sleeper here? Let, let, I'll let, I'll give the floor to you. I kind of like Brighton as a sleeper. I mean, obviously you're getting what, plus six fifty, I think. Yeah, big I, number. I think it's at that price. It's not too bad. Um, so things going for Brighton. They have a couple games in hand on Tottenham, one on United and Newcastle. So there's that. Obviously, at some point, games in hand are more of a challenge, and that's one of the issues. They have a couple games that haven't even been scheduled yet because they're waiting for you know Man City, Champions League, and things like that. Um, they do get, I mean, they're, 
they're, they play Tottenham. They host United. They have uh, to win that good on the, game, right? They have, right, they, they have they, to win they at basically Tottenham. Have to win it. Yeah. They probably have to win versus United. Uh, they also have to go to Chelsea and Arsenal for whatever that's worth. But they've been, you know, they're the third best team on the road this season. They're pretty much fourth best, all the underlying numbers across the board behind City, Arsenal, and Newcastle so far this year. Uh, McAllister's been great for them since coming back from the World Cup. Uh, so again, I'm not saying I think they're likely to make it, but I think at, at a plus 650 type of price, I played them, I think it was like two weeks ago at plus 600. So I think they got a shot. Schedule congestion is going to be a bit of a challenge uh, for them over the, pa- over the last month or so of the season. But just, just watching them, like they look like they know what they're doing. You know, Sometimes it looks like they're running patterns out there uh, to get the ball off the field and, and get everything done. It just, they look like they have a plan, and Deservey's got them executing it perfectly, haven't missed a beat since Potter left. So, again, I don't think it's more likely than not they'll do it, but if you're giving me like 6-1, to 6.5-1 to one on something, uh, I think it's a decent shot because they're just playing as well and as organized and as uh, collective a team as anybody right now. I think we'll know Saturday. So, like, if you, if you really like this, like, yeah. You know, if you really like it, you probably have to hop on now because they either yeah. beat Tottenham and those odds are going to be way, way worse, or right. they lose and they're probably out of it. <laughs> I would say. I mean, they're not right. going to be out of yeah. it, but they really kind of can't lose that game mm-hmm. Saturday to Tottenham. So I think we'll know much yeah. more. So this is kind of like the perfect spot of like if you really like them, get in and grab it at plus six fifty. Uh, right. But if you're if you're sitting there telling me you know between three and I'm not going to include Villa. No, all due respect to Villa, I just don't think Sorry. they're going to finish top yeah. four. But I'll, but I'll include Liverpool, who are a point behind Villa. If you said Newcastle, United, Tottenham, Brighton, and Liverpool, like who do you just have confidence that they know themselves in a week in week out basis and aren't going to shoot themselves in the foot? I'd probably go Newcastle one. I just think they 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 know what they are and they're good. And Brighton's probably two. That doesn't mean they're going to finish ahead of any of these other teams. But like even Man United, like they're still kind of up and down week to week. Their highs are super high. Their lows are super low. Tottenham. I mean, listen, it's funny that they're still, I mean, they're only three games, uh, three points back. Obviously, they have an extra game played. They're still in it, but we've already basically counted them out. They're still, they still are in it. And what's the, what are their odds? They're at uh, plus, plus 380. I mean, like if you watch that Everton game, as I did Gosh. as an Everton fan, I mean, that, that team, they didn't deserve anything from that game. They get the penalty. Nope. They get the red card, which I know was a red card. He hit him in the face, but it was such a soft situation. And then people are grabbing the screenshot of DeCorey's hand on Kane's <laughs> face. That's why screenshots are just so, they're so deceptive. Like, he didn't claw right. him in the face. He's, he was pushing him away. I don't think he deliberately tried to go at his face, but he got his face. It's a red card. But I say all that to say that Tottenham deserved absolutely nothing from that game and still got a point. Correct. So. To me, they just look like a dead team walking no matter what, no matter how close they are to the top four. Mm-hmm. So I, even at plus 380 being only three points back, I just don't feel like that's a good bet Not whatsoever. I'd probably have them last as far as teams that I, I trust right now. And Liverpool, yeah. I mean, again, they played one of the most boring games of the entire season, a nil-nil draw to Chelsea uh, on Tuesday. They look like, and now granted, they didn't start Salah. They had a lot of guys on the bench. They look, It looks like they're playing Arsenal this weekend. They're probably going to put all their eggs in that basket. But I... I you know, I, I just don't have any faith in this Liverpool team either. So yeah. I, Brighton's probably number two in that in that uh, in those rankings. I think so. I mean, yeah, United played well today, but even th- they really only had they didn't have many good chances, really. Even though they had a bunch of shots outside the, the goal, obviously. Uh, Liverpool, boy, that Chelsea game was just there for the take in. Liverpool was not interested. <laughs> Awful game. I mean, yeah. and I mean, you're still starting what Firmino and Jota and Nunez up top. Nunez, yeah, like, there ought to be something there. Yeah, something. But yeah, that was. Both teams just left that there. I mean, I know Chelsea doesn't have a ton to play for in the league, but for Liverpool, that was just a, a huge missed opportunity. So they're the widest variance team, I feel like, in the whole league, where they can look like the best team in the league or they can look like they ought to be scrapping for relegation uh, all in one. Yeah, like I feel like 
Newcastle is kind of solidifying Brighton. You know what you're getting. United, sort of. Liverpool, wide variance in Tottenham, I feel like. That Everton game, I watched a good chunk of that too. Oh my like, goodness. This, like, <laughs> I, was, I, literally, I was done, done with that game. I was like, I'm out. I'm done with Tottenham for the year. Forget it. I, they, I think their actually was like 0.14 or something. Like they, it was all, yeah, I mean, obviously so without the penalty. I mean, they, they did nothing. Yeah. Down, or I'm sorry, up a man. They basically yeah. sat back at home. I mean, it, it, it was, I mean, it was, it really was just a pathetic showing. I, I, Multiple I times I'm watching. It's like, oh, wait, Tottenham's up a man. Why aren't they doing yeah. something? Yeah. And then Lucas Moore comes on, gets a red card late and, you know, kind of, you know, levels the playing field, I guess, a little bit. And listen, Everton can't really score either, although they did have some decent chances in that game. Uh, and then they get the absolute kind of like worldy from the center back, Michael Keane, <laughs> obviously, which was fully, again, fully deserved. And I'll, I'll just say a couple of things about that as well. First off, that was, there was karma there because there's some, there's some like weird history stuff between Everton and, and Spurs recently. Obviously, one, I was a little upset because Kane, he gets hit in the face. It was not that harsh. And he goes and flops around like a fish and acts like, you know, he just got like, you know, punched <laughs> in the face by Mike Tyson in his prime. Like, come on, dude, settle down. Um, it's a, again, it's a red card. I'm not arguing that, but like, just be better than that. But then there are a couple other things. Dan Juma, who was at Villarreal, was supposed to go to Everton on loan. Spurs swoop in last minute. They get him on loan. He barely even plays this season, whereas he, he'd be starting week in and week out for Everton. He goes to Spurs and doesn't even play. And the same thing kind of happened with Richarlison. Now, they signed Richarlison for, what was it, 50 or 60 million. And mm-hmm. Richarlison, he's great at the World Cup for Brazil. He's been great with uh, Everton. Goes to Spurs, and he's terrible. He can't even get on the field. He doesn't, have a, he doesn't have a Premier League goal this season. So there's a lot of Everton-Spurs beef there. So I'll just say that that 90th-minute goal was karma, Paul. I, you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll take whatever points I can get, obviously, in a relegation battle. But Spurs deserve nothing from that game, and I'm so glad that that happened. I agree. I'm happy to clear out and let you rant. Yeah, sorry. That, that's again. This all good. That's all I have as an Everton Everton fan this season. But uh, it is interesting. Uh, one last thing on this. So you know, Fanduel looking at the odds. Man United are minus five fifty to finish top four. Newcastle minus three uh, three twenty. So which I mean, obviously they're telling you that they they think United is a better chance. I don't know. I kind of feel like I I have more faith in in Newcastle have, at this point. Yes, I agree. I think they should be much closer. I mean, if I had to pick one of those those prices, I would definitely go with Newcastle. Yeah. All right, let's move on to this. We were talking about PSG a little bit before, Paul, but I think we got to talk about this messy situation because it's sort of heated up in the last couple of days. I'll, let me just go through it for anybody that doesn't that isn't aware. So Messi's contract is up in June with PSG. He signed a two-year deal when he left uh, uh, Barcelona, obviously two years ago. Um, he hit, was booed <laughs> at home by PSG fans. I think it was against Lyon, right? I mean, there, it, listen, he's, he hasn't been very good. Post-World Cup, like, I, it, just being from a neutral perspective, all of his stats have dropped off. I mean, he's basically averaging like half of the goal and assist output that he did pre-World Cup, which isn't terribly surprising. The guy's in his mid-30s. He's played a lot of, he's played a lot of, uh, of games, especially this year with the World Cup. And, you know, they're out, of the, they're out of the Champions League, which is the only thing that they really had to win. And, you know, morale is probably down. But I think booing maybe the best player of all time <laughs> as a home fan maybe isn't the best look for a guy that you're trying to bring back. Um, yeah. Now, there were also rumors uh, that Barca were interested in bringing him back. Now, they haven't officially made an offer yet, but Barca fans were chanting Messi's name during the game against Real Madrid today, which, again, they got blown out at. Um, he's also reportedly being offered $440 million a year from a Saudi Arabian <laughs> club, so maybe that's your answer right there for where he's going to be next year. And uh, there's always Inter-Miami. They've just kind of been in the background, like you know, just lurking. They kind of feel like they still have a chance, so MLS is still, is still potentially an outcome for him. If you're Messi... Where, like, where do you, I should say, not if you're messy, you as a fan of the sport, Paul, where do you just want to see him play next year? I mean, I'd rather have him come to MLS more than anything. I mean, just again, selfishly, because 
Westbrook. I'm not watching the Saudi league. Sorry. No. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to say, I don't, you know, quick aside, all these Cristiano Ronaldo goes that they, oh, he had a hat trick today. I'm like, don't, yeah, don't care. Nice. Don't yeah, care. Nope. Don't I'm care out. at all. It, completely irrelevant. Anyway, go on. Yeah. So I, I would vote for MLS just again, selfishly. I want to see him here in the US, see how he goes, see how it goes, let him live his best life in Miami, et cetera. Uh, I'd go for Barcelona after that just for the, again, kind of the chaos of it all. Because, hey, I don't know how they're going to afford him. Even Obviously, they're not paying $400 million a year, but even if it's whatever, we'll just say $20 million a year, or half of that even, uh, Barcelona's going to have to either bribe somebody else or empty some more couch cushions or I don't know what to figure out how to pay him. Uh, so I would say I would love to see him just come to Miami this summer. And, you know, you're 35, get ahead of that a little bit. you still got a, you know, in the Beckham mold where you still got whatever, two, three pretty good years that you can you know, have some fun, travel, see the country, et cetera. But I, I don't expect it to happen because I always feel like MLS for these big stars is just kind of a, a tool, a leverage tool to get more money from somebody else. Uh, I kind of feel like the Saudi League might be that way too. But when that number came out of 400 plus it's, million I mean, a year, it's like, I mean, <laughs> how do you say no does, to that? <laughs> how does anybody say no to money like that? Even if you do kind of disappear from the, the soccer earth, so to speak. Yeah, but at least he did win a World Cup. So right, he's he's riding off in the sunset. Right. He wins the World Cup, then he gets to, he gets another massive payday and, and goes. I still think he has, I still think he has a couple of years left in him at a, at a high level. And that, that's not playing you know yeah. forty games in the in the you know year in year out. Maybe it's just right. like as sort of a part time player plays in some of the biggest matches because clearly like he's just not the same guy as he used to be and shouldn't be. He's in his mid thirties. Yeah. Uh, but man, I, the other, the one other thing I'll throw. Let's go back to Argentina. And play somewhere. I, I don't know. I just know, you know, what is it, seeing new, all, old, new old boys, right? Is that it? Yeah. yeah. It's just seeing all, obviously, they love him and the reaction he got when he was back home over this international break when, what was he using at a restaurant? The restaurant surrounded by thousands of people or whatever mm-hmm. it was. I wonder if that makes him think about, you know, going home now that he's kind of cemented his reputation there. I, I think we, I could all speak for most fans. I don't want to see him at PSG, which I think is kind of trending in that direction. They might not even want him back, to be honest with you. They might want to right. just do a complete overhaal and, you know, build this thing more around Mbappe and get play. Because I, I honestly think that's probably the right call is to, you know, I, yeah. th- this this whole thing of like having three, three superstar forwards that don't really round out your team well, I think it just kind of hurts them, especially guys that get hurt now with, with Messi and Neymar's hurt almost every single year. You know, it's probably time to just turn this whole thing over to Mbappe and say this is your front line. Figure it out. Uh, yep. So I, I, don't, I think I speak for everyone that says I don't want to see him return to PSG. I, I think I would put Barca over MLS. I mean, sure, I'd love to go to, you know, I'd love to go to see him at an NYCFC game at Yankee Stadium, right? Playing, mm-hmm. <laughs> playing for Inter Miami. That'd be awesome next year. But I just, I think I still feel like I, he still has some gas up in the tank. So I don't, I'm not, I'm not an anti MLS guy. If you're mad at me for saying it's not, I know it's not a retirement league anymore, but. I just feel like another in like a year or two would make more sense for Messi when he's really kind of like fallen off as an elite player. I still think he's an elite player, you know, and can still potentially be a, a contributor to a Champions League club. So I lean a little bit more towards Barca. But Paul, in the back of my mind, I go, is this going to go just like uh, Ronaldo's return to Manchester United? Because that was a complete Ugh. and utter disaster. Yeah. Do you think if he went back to Barcelona, even if they get the money figured out, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, part of me is like, that would be cool. Like, Maybe he could win something. Maybe he can get him another Champions League before. Because they, they obviously, they're going to win La Liga this year. Um, financially, they're still a disaster. But if you, if you get Messi back, maybe you can recoup some, some money that way because he's still a massive draw. But I, I wonder if, if this is just basically a, a Ronaldo to Man United 2.0. It's hard for me to see it going that badly only because, you know, Ronaldo was outspoken, we'll say, just about every club that he was at. Messi hasn't really been that, at least publicly. So you'd like to think he's got a little more, I don't know, whatever, good soldier in him or something than Ronaldo does. But you, 
go to Barcelona and just, again, the financial mess that they are in, it, the possibility is there for it to go badly in, in different ways maybe than Ronaldo did United, but still not a good thing. And Tarnish's legacy is overstating it, but it would be an odd kind of footnote to his Barcelona career that is pretty much unmatched. Yeah, it seems... Uh... Man, it's 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 just strange that like you know there. I mean, if you could look at some of the betting odds, I don't. Even, they're they're like all offshore things, so I don't even know. If it's, I wouldn't advocate anyone betting on this unless you have a real strong <laughs> lean or somebody in Messi's camp, or he might not even know yet either. But like you know, Chelsea's in there at like twenty to one. I've seen you know Manchester City. I don't. He's not going no. to the Premier League. I don't. And I think no. going to the Premier League would be a terrible idea for him because it's just the style of play. Like he'd get hacked down every. He'd, he'd be injured oh, yeah. constantly in that league. It's kind of why I don't think Mbappe should play there either. But. Um, it does feel like we have Barca or, you know, it's either Barca, it's Saudi Arabia or the MLS and, you know, ML, Saudi Arabia is obviously like the distant third. The other two, I think I would be happy with either way, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. All right, let's do this. Before we get to our best bets, let's do, we had a kit drop, Paul. The U.S. kits oh are out and, you know, I, I will just say first, there's always like such this either, either people on social media, they either love everything or hate everything. When the, when the U.S. men's kits came out for the World Cup, everybody hated them. I didn't think they were actually as bad as people made okay. them out to be. I didn't love them. I didn't hate the white one. It looked more like a hockey jersey than a soccer kit to me, but that's fine. Uh, what did you make of these uh, two kits that got dropped? First, the white one is like a polka dot, kind of like paint splatter thing. I actually don't yeah. hate that one, but I do not like the blue one at all. So where are you at? First, I need to read you the description of the white oh, jersey I because I love these. So here, here it is. This is from the release. It reflects an unexpected take on the tradition of wearing white at home and features a bespoke drip paint technique pattern, <laughs> highlighting the energy of the team and how they are diverse players and personalities, but also united. The action painting method pattern features a distinctive placement, making every single jersey unique. Woo! Oh, that's, that's a lot like of words. That. I kind of like that. I didn't know that they were all going to be different. That's actually pretty cool. It makes me wonder, like, so if I buy a jersey, like, and you buy a jersey, do we get different jerseys? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like, yeah. But, um, we're at, we're at Dick's Sporting Goods, and we're looking at which which right. patterns we like better. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I mean, my general take is that I don't mind the white one. I, I don't. I'm, I'm not a big fan of either. So I guess the blue with the red, like in the pictures, almost looks orange, and it makes me think they're Dutch jerseys. Almost. I don't know if that'll look different on TV or in person or something like that. Um, I think more than anything, what what I really want in a jersey, ideally, is that it's kind of instantly identifiable. You see checkerboard out there, you know you're watching Croatia. Uh, something like that. And I feel like the only things we've really had those with in the last 10, 15 years are the hoops of some sort. You know, the Waldo jerseys, or the men had some around 2017 that are like blue with red hoops. Um, so that's what I, I would love. I say this every time there's release. I would love them to have hoops. I would love them to have a sash jersey and just kind of rotate through those every cycle. You know, you can iterate on those and have some fun with them. Um, just using the red a little bit more because blue is kind of boring and every team in the world seems to have a blue jersey. Um, so, I mean, these are whatever. They're fine. I'm not a fan, but I don't hate them either. I just get, going to the blue one, I think we both like the white ones. I like the white, as I mentioned, I like the white ones from the World Cup as well. Why is, why do we keep getting blue kits? Red know. is the red, white, and blue. Red is the right. primary color, and red also looks better on jerseys, I think, than, than right. blue it does pops for, a lot for more. the states. And yeah, I'm with you. I mean, we talked about this, I think, before. Like the Waldo kit, some form of that should be the staple, right? Or at yep. least should be it should be a third kit that we could always go to. It's you yeah. know, it's like it's like the old school like throwback that we get like in the NFL whenever there's like a Thursday night game, you get the throwback jersey or whatever. Right. It is. Like that that should always be available to the team. If you want to have two other ones that we can kind of get creative with that are a solid color and a white, I'm I'm all fine with that, but. 
I just do not understand the all blue back-to-back jerseys. I mean, we had like the nope. tie-dye black and blue one at the World Cup. And now this one that you mentioned, the red is a very strange color. And the rest of it, it's a blue, it's a blue jersey and a blue short. I, I just, you know, we need more red. We just need red. I don't, that's, that's my only critique. That's the first thing. Yeah. Give me the hoops. Give yeah. me a sash. I love a good sash. I mean, even like the bomb pops weren't terrible. They had red at least. Um, you know, they're kind of a, a weird riff on the traditional hoops. I don't mind those. But yeah, that's what I would love. Give me some hoops. Give me a sash. And I'm completely happy. Nike, Tyrus will help. We could help you design jerseys that everybody you. actually, did, that actually, as everyone uh, kind of likes. But all right, let's close it out as we run out of time here. Let's do best bets here, Paul. Good. As I mentioned, good week for us. Two, both of us were two and one last week. So four and two overall. Um, we are both now in the positive units here. You're nine and nine plus uh, 0.4 units. I am 10 and eight plus 2.09 units. So we're in the black. We're getting paid here. Um, as you mentioned, we were a couple of things away from, from going 6-0. and So a little bit more to deal with this week. A lot of games, some midweek games that kind of throw off the vibes a little bit. But uh, I'll let you take over. You can go first. What's your first best bet? Okay. We talked about how I'm out on Tottenham. I'm still out on Tottenham. Give me Brighton to win at Tottenham on Saturday, plus 165. Again, I think Brighton is a better team. I think they are playing better. I don't have any faith in Tottenham. Not just after what we saw against Everton. That was just kind of the final straw. Um, so yeah, give me the better team, even though they're on the road. Brighton's been, again, the third best team on the road this season behind City and Arsenal. So I'll take a Brighton win at plus 165. Yeah, that's basically, what's the draw on that? I think it's like plus 240, right? Plus, plus 250, yep. Plus 250, yeah. I mean, it's, it's you know, if I'm, you know I love a good double chance. Like, I'd be on the Brighton side of that double chance if I'm trying to play it. I'm not, but I do actually like this bet. I mean, there's no way I'm siding with Tottenham in this game. No, right? no you, chance. Can't, you can't Absolutely possibly, not. you can't possibly be that crazy. So I like that as your first best bet. Um, all right, I'll go to my first one. I'm going to have to go against my boys here, Paul. I'm not afraid to bet Uh-oh. against my own team. I'm not afraid to get bet with my my favorite team or against my, my favorite team. So I'm going to go against Everton here. I think United at home, I'm going to take them on the money line and the under three and a half goals. Everton cannot score, okay? <laughs> Down to Calvert-Lewin, who knows when he's coming back. I don't think he's going to be back for this game. They're starting Damari Gray at forward. While I like him, he is not a center forward. Um, they're going to be without Abdullah Decore, who's kind of like their, like, He's sort of the second striker, even though he's not. He's mostly up there just for pressing purposes. Uh, United are good at home. I just don't, again, I just don't really see Everton scoring in this match. And maybe even if they do, I think United probably get the 2-1 win at home. So I could see this being a 1-0, 2-0 United win at Old Trafford. I even don't even hate the, uh, if you want to take United to, to win to nil is plus 175. I don't hate that at all. But I'm going to take the Man United money line under three and a half goals in that game against Everton. That's plus 108. So I'm getting plus money for that. Nice, nice. I'm going to take an under in a similar vein. Wolves, Chelsea. Give me the under two and a half, minus 138. I will pay the juice. Uh, we talked about how Chelsea has seemingly no interest or ability to score. Uh, Wolves has put up a couple goals recently, but I mean, I think it's five of the last six games, something like that. They've had one expected goal or less. So this is not a high volume team. They've had eight shots or fewer in five of the last six games. That's that's one I was looking for, and the other one was against Leeds, which just a weird sort of track meet that they lost four to. Um, so I don't think Wolves can or is interested in scoring. I don't think Chelsea can or is interested in scoring under two and a half minus one thirty eight. I will pay that juice. I'm going to follow you. This is what I had next. <laughs> I just again, Wolves are kind of a mess. I think this is going to be one of those just like absolutely boring slugfests of a game. But like defensively, I think. Both teams are just going to sit back. Certainly Wolves, I don't think you're going to get out of their element at all. They're going to be happy with a point here. I mean, maybe if it's close at the end, they'll go for it. But 
I, you know, Chelsea again, I, taking the unders in Chelsea games is just, you know, it seems, I, I can't believe we're even getting that good of juice for a game of Chelsea on the road. They don't already score goals against the Wolves team that have, you know, struggle scoring goals as well. So minus 138, it's not the, again, it's not the best price in the world, but at least I think for this, these two teams as the under, I like it too. So we're going to be, that's a family play for us there, Paul. All right. I like it. My third play, and I'm a little on the fence about this after today. I felt good this morning, but I'm going to stick with it. I'd say Brentford to win at home against Newcastle. I know we've kind of talked up Newcastle and feel good about it. The price jumped from like plus 230 to plus 270 today. Uh, So I like that at plus 270. Again, I know Newcastle's been playing well, but Brentford, again, solid. They're roughly eighth in the table in expected goal difference, similar spot overall. Uh, Good at home on the whole. Don't mind, you know, giving Newcastle a little more of the ball and, and dealing with uh, the fallout from that. You know, I don't think they were as bad as Brentford as the result against United was today. They didn't give United many chances, many good chances, even though, again, decent volume of shots. So I'll take that price. It's really about the price. If this were closer to two, plus 200, I'm not interested. But at plus 270 now, I'll take Brentford and the win. I don't hate that. Um, again, like, you're never your best at your at your best and you're never your worst at, what, at your worst. So, like, you know, at your absolute lowest. So I actually wrote down a different bet that I'm not going to take, but I kind of like Brentford and Newcastle, both teams to score in that game. It's minus 124. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Again, not one of my best bets, but I think that'll probably be something that I do play because Brentford at home, they're probably going to score. Newcastle have been flying lately. So I, you know, I, could, could it be I a 1-1? Like yeah. yeah, so I don't, I, don't, I don't hate that at all. But that's actually not going to be my best bet. I'm going to take, this is kind of a weird one, Paul. All right, I'm going to take Villa to be winning at halftime and full-time versus Forest. That's plus 140. I like Villa to win, obviously, but the odds just aren't good enough. So you got to kind of get creative here. And this is why I love this one. Villa, on top of being one of the most informed teams in the entire Premier League, I think they've gone from 16th to 7th in the table under Unai Emery, uh, their manager. Uh, and they have a good squad. So, like, it's not surprising. They were underachieving early in the year, and now they're playing much better. But they have scored a first-half goal in their last five games. So they jump on teams pretty early. And maybe the more important stat here, Paul, is that Forests are just absolutely atrocious on the road. I think Forests are just kind of bad in general, but they've been exceptionally bad on the road. So Villa basically jumping on teams and Forest being bad on the road. I mean, if I'm getting plus 140 for that price for them to win at halftime, I mean, I think they're going to win the game. It's just whether or not that they actually win in the first half too. I'll take that chance, plus 140, Villa to win at halftime and full-time. I'll, I'll uh, give you some num- more numbers to back that up. Uh, Forest has six points on the road all season. They Is have that scored- last? That's probably got to be worse than Yes, right? yes. Yeah. And they have tied for last with West Ham, actually. They have scored two away goals in the first half this season, Forest has. So they've been outscored 15-2 to in the first half. So there's a couple numbers to back you up. I might end up tailing you on that one. Thank you. All right, so Paul, doing my job for me. That's I, I like your stats even better than my stats. Now I feel even better about this bet. So, <laughs> so, so there you go. Uh, all right, let's hope we have another winning week here. Uh, well, we're going to be back on Monday, by the way, because we've got Champions League games next week. So this will be exciting. We'll be able to preview some of the quarterfinal matchups uh, early before the Tuesday and Wednesday games. Um, and what, you know, let's see. Let's maybe, who knows? Are we going to get crazy and back Frank Clark? Frank Lampard and Chelsea. I guess we'll have to find out. Tune into Monday's show. But uh, I want to thank Paul Carr, as always, and also thanking our producer, Saban Anderson. Best of luck on everyone on their bets, and we'll, uh, we'll catch you next week. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more.
Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from UGG. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. UGG has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at UGG.com. 